Well, good evening, everybody. Happy Wednesday night. We are live on the live stream. This isn't pre-recorded because uh, we have a wonderful guest tonight, Seth Gruber, and I've I've had the privilege to meet him today for the first time. But his reputation has preceded him, and he comes highly recommended. And uh, you're going to be tremendously blessed. But we wanted to delay tonight's broadcast because um, most of you were probably tuning in, maybe still are, to the vice presidential debates, and uh, we're watching. Kamala Harris and, uh, and, and the vice president contending with one another, uh, Mike Pence. And uh, th- there was a specific question there that is right in your wheelhouse, because if you guys don't uh, know Seth and you don't know what he's about, uh, he is one of the most, I would say, prolific, profound, pro-life advocates and speakers in the country and rapidly growing in popularity. Uh, David and I had a chance to see some of your videos and we were introduced to you through mutual friends. My, my daughter said, dad, you got to see this guy. I, I was watching your videos and I, I noticed because, you know, I've been doing, you, you go in and speak in schools and all different kinds of places. Uh, prior to being a senior pastor, I was a youth pastor in San Jose and I started on a circuit with, um, a pregnancy clinic wow. as a speaker in public schools. And I had the chance Wonderful. to get into over 200 schools up and down the state of California. Wow. So I've, I've been advocating for life and not in private schools or church groups, but in public schools yeah. where you're not allowed to talk about God or the Bible, but you have to wisely navigate to present because Planned Parenthood is welcomed in. And, That's right. and we're, we're now looking in California with the most progressive sexual education. I say progressive, secular, progressive, vile. Right. And, and, um, we saw tonight two opposing views on what is in Christendom probably, you know, it is the most critical topic, which is the protection of human life. That's right. And I was, I was captivated early on when I was a speaker because I go in and get challenged by the kids, challenged by the opposing, you know, parties that would debate us. And I didn't have a lot of resources out there. And I came ac- across Stand to Reason. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then Klusendorf and, and Kokel. Uh, yep. And when I saw that SLED acronym to defend uh, the, 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 the position of the sanctity of life in the womb, to, to completely, it just completely diffused That's right. all of my opponent's arguments by that simple acronym S-L-E-D. Yeah. And... That was a while back when I got that, and I've been using it for years, and the first young person, and I say young because I'm younger than you, and, you know, (laughs) granted you're 65, but you you look great. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, But I heard you use that acronym, and I thought, good. It's it's, it's getting activated again. Yeah. And then your podcast and, and all the stuff you've been doing, I, I want you to hear from him tonight. We're going to cover a number of things. But I will also say, too, that when I would go into public schools, if, if I said some of the things you say, I would never be welcome back. Yeah. Because you have to be all things to all men that you might win some, but the fine line of yeah. honoring those in authority but still getting across your message yeah, yeah. <laughs> is difficult to do. Yeah. And it's one thing to speak to Christian groups because Christian youth groups, most kids especially graduating from Christian colleges like Westmont, yep. which you graduated from, yep. they're not pro-life. That's right. 
They go into a Christian school. They come out indoctrinated that you can be a Christian and believe in abortion. Right. Yeah, and I'm grateful that you said that, Rob. It's it's so important for us for, to reach. First of all, let's get, let's get some personal things out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Married for yeah. about four years. Uh huh. You got uh, four years. two we children, got, yep. one one out of the womb, one in one the womb. One in the womb, that's Because that's right. how pro-life folks talk about it, because yep. I have four grandkids, three outside the womb, one in. You, you're too young to have grandkids. Yeah, Look thanks. You. Bless you. <laughs> and your, your nose is pretty big. You shouldn't let it grow like that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so yeah, we have uh, a girl due in December, and we have a, a boy who will be three in December. And, and uh, y- y- you've lived the, the lion's share of your life here in California. Yep. Yep. My whole life. And, and you grew up, you said, I grew up. I was in the womb pro-life because your mom was the head of one of the, yeah, the crisis she was, pregnancy she was centers. actually directing a pregnancy resource center in Azusa, California. In Azusa. It was called Living Alternatives at the time. I yeah. think it might go by a different name now, but I think there's still one there. And it's actually right by Azusa Pacific. And so she was, she actually took over as a director of that clinic when she was still in her late twenties and then stepped down when she had me in her early thirties. And wow. after my mom passed, I actually 2015 found, she passed. In, yeah, in 2015. My mom in 14. So yeah. actually my mom was in 10. My dad, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I actually found later. the uh, announcement from that pregnancy resource center that the director was stepping down to give birth to her first son or he celebrating her yeah. fir- the oh, birth of her church, first that's child. So, cool. so that's yeah. my background, you know. And then I, I was first born. I was homeschooled through eighth grade. And so I grew up in a very pro-life fo- family, obviously. We did the Walk for Life every year. I grew up in Whittier. Yeah. So the Whittier Pregnancy Care Clinic. It's one of the older ones in, in L.A. County, certainly even in the country, right near Biola. And so I did the Walk for Life every year. I was one of the like top childhood fundraisers each yeah, year, yeah, you yeah. know. And, and honestly, I was Nobody probably... Nobody can say, say no your smile. Yeah, I mean, I was I would go door to door raising funds for the local pregnancy clinic. But you know, I was probably more incentivized by winning like a bike that yeah. they would give as the prize. That's why I used to sell magazines for the Boy Scouts. Exactly. Yeah. But I had an understanding that abortion was bad from an early age. But you know, when you're eight, nine, ten, you just you can't understand how bad something is as abortion right. until you see it. And it's hard to communicate to little kids. We're Absolutely. just protecting babies. Is kind yeah. of what you. Yeah. Yeah. It's and hard for them yeah, to even understand. Even as kids are going, why do we need to? What's wrong? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I can't describe it to you. Yeah. So it wasn't actually until I went to high school at Whittier High, fast track senior year, I have to pick a topic for my senior project, okay? Yeah. So public high school, right? I say, I'm going to pick the topic of abortion. And the reason is because I was getting questions and arguments from my friends. I'm 18, right? Yep. And I, I realized I didn't really have the responses, right? Her body, her choice. What about rape? What about if there's something wrong with the baby? You know, I was like, well, I know abortion's wrong, but I don't know how to put words to what I believe to these and, arguments. And even their arguments were such that you, you're baffled. You're yeah. like, I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, and I was convicted. Yeah. You know, and if, you know, as we get to know each other more, you'll know that I have a very intense personality. So I was like, I was bothered by the fact that I didn't have an answer to those who asked me, right? As First Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to those who ask yeah. you for the hope that you have. And so if we're supposed to have an answer for why we believe in the gospel— and Christianity, certainly we ought to have an answer for how the Christian worldview informs our positions on other issues, right? Whatever things are true. And that's right, you exactly. You've got to pursue that study to show yourself approved. Yes, amen. I, I, I want to... Be a Berean. Right. I, I want to say this, that um, I wasn't a Christian in high school, and I remember the the pro-life elderly lady coming in to contend with this stunning, beautiful Planned Parenthood gal that came in and all the guys are like, and we're just, you know, and, and, and their, their case in the, well, even Satan masquerades as an angel uh, of light. Yeah. But they just had the, 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 
the work that they did, the presentation that just so professional. And then this elderly woman comes in shaking and doing her best, but it was, people were making jokes and, but I'm listening to her and my heart's heavy. I feel like, why are you beating up on her? Right. And here's a woman coming in. She's obviously, this is an unbalanced, but I thought if she's older and she's leaving her home frail and tired to come in, this is obviously critical that this woman knows something. That's what occurred to me. Hmm. And when I became a Christian, and I'm driving the bus over the, the bridge in Coronado because uh, I take the bus and, and I'm, I'm reading my Bible and this guy just starts hammering me with questions I didn't have an answer for. And he was quoting scripture and he just threw the Bible because it's a waste of your time. Don't do it. Wow. That was my, and, I, and that, like you, I'm just, no, I, I, I got to figure this out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting stoked here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was 18 and that's, that's really where my journey began, honestly, because at that, that, that was, began to be a turning point in my life where I decided to adopt personal responsibility. And so, and what really drove that home guys was I decided to volunteer at a pro-life organization in Orange County because you had to do field work or volunteer hours for your senior project in order to graduate. By the way, when I told Whittier high school that I was doing the topic of abortion, they said, you can't pick that topic. And I said, what? And they said, yeah, that's actually, if you go to the senior project guidelines on our website, we have some topics that you're not allowed to pick. Um, And I said, well, unless you want a lawsuit, then I will be doing the topic of abortion. This is a public high school. Who do you think you are? So you're already like, let's get ready (laughs) to rumble. And and then then basically their response was, oh, shoot. (laughs) And then when I got to college, I went back to my high school's website to see if I could find that document for the guidelines. And they had taken it down, right? They're afraid of a lawsuit. So I volunteered at this pro-life organization in Orange County. They're called the Center for Bioethical Reform. And the executive directors are actually my godparents now, Greg and Lois Cunningham. Greg and Lois Cunningham are some of the godparents of the pro-life movement. I know them. Um, Yeah. Well, I know him. Well, Greg is incredible. Every every movement needs a lion, if you will. It's working. Don't worry. It's not going to fall off. And Greg is a lion, you know. And so he started the Center for Bioethical Reform when I was a just barely a newborn or just before. And my mom actually sat on the board of directors for CBR uh, in its early years. And what they're popular for, for those of you who don't know what CBR does, they do traveling photo mural displays on yep. university campuses that yep. compare abortion to historically recognized forms of genocide through graphic imagery. So for example, one of their most popular signs has a picture of an African-American man being lynched. It's actually a very famous photo. There's a right. bunch of white racists there and there's one man doing this and he's pointing up at the man hanging from the tree. It's a very disturbing photo. It's very popular and it says unwhite. Then there's a picture of a pile of dead Jews outside of a concentration camp, men, women, and children, and it says ungentile. Then there's a picture of a first trimester aborted baby with his arms and legs all over the place, and it says unborn. So the Center for Bioethical Reform makes the powerful observation that bigotry takes many forms at many times, but it has one thing in common, the dehumanization of the victim class by those in control while denying them personhood so that they can justify their mistreatment and slaughter. Josiah Wedgwood, am I not a man? And a brother. And a brother. And this was a picture of an African slave. And this is Wedgwood, China. This is a man that was a believer and, and put that forward to say, am I not a man? That's right. And a brother. And the idea is you're talking about humanity. Yep. And so th- this is what intrigued me when I, I watched you. You, you, said, you said the most critical question that can be asked when dealing with the issue of life, and I think it was Klusendorf or, or Kokel, 
you're washing dishes at the sink and your little child comes up behind you and says, can I kill this? And the first question you ask with your back to the child is, what is it? Exactly. Well, it's a fly or it's a spider. Yes. That's my little brother. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Right. No. Right. So the question is, in the womb of a pregnant woman, what is it? Exactly. What is it? Is it a blob of tissue? Is it not human? Right. What is it? Because they say that it's unbaby, unhuman. Right. Um, Blob of tissue. Unborn. Insensate tissue, part of the mother's body. And and really interesting, the Latin word for fetus. Small child. Small child. (laughs) Yeah. And they, it's not a baby, it's a fetus. Right. Uh, Well, same thing. Yep. No, it isn't. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let's... Let's look at the meaning of the word. Yes, yes, yeah. So, yeah, let's get into that because that's, that's yeah, so important because this the is the root of the debate. Is what is in right. the womb of a pregnant woman? Yep. And, 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 you know, this is the great conservative consolation that reality always reasserts itself in the end. And reality does have an annoying tendency of crawling out of the cave that modern leftists have buried it in and slapping them in the face. Uh, And when that happens to anyone, it would do us well to turn the other cheek, to acknowledge reality, greet him for the friend that he is, and welcome him back into our home. And and that's kind of what's happening in this And so that's that's what you must do on the issue of abortion if you're pro-choice, is you must suppress reality. Because... If you're pro-choice. Yeah, if you're pro-choice, because the reality is self-evident. And the reality is that the science has taught us from the very beginning, from that moment of conception, the unborn child is a distinct living and whole human being. And and nothing needed, the entire DNA is encapsulated in what that child fully will develop and be. And, and it's all is, is contained yep. in that zygote. That's right. And so what, what the left and the pro-choice movement confuse is they confuse parts with holes. So they might admit that the unborn child is biologically human, right? You'll hear them say something like, well, I mean, it has human DNA. Like, you know, we can see that it's like a so species not, of human sort of, but it's not a whole human being or it's not a person and then that's where they go but person. they have a they have a fundamental misunderstanding of the science of embryology right it's it's interesting Kamala Harris saying tonight that that they're pro science and of course uh, those yeah. pesky republicans are anti science right. of course the hilarity of that statement is that what is more anti scientific than saying babies aren't babies yeah. right or men are not women even, or women are not men even to the third trimester <clears throat> they're still not babies right just a blob of tissue yeah. and so the science is clear that from the moment of conception there's a whole human being and sometimes people misunderstand what the term whole means like so if you say that to a pro-choice individual, that's a whole human being. They'll, their eyes will literally glaze over and they'll look at you going, how is that anything like me? I mean, it, it's so small. It can't feel pain. It's not viable. It doesn't have desires. It doesn't have relationships. It's not aware of its own existence. It's not having dreams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to be a whole human being. So here's an example, Rob. Yeah. I'm 29 and I'm not 40. Okay. Now, men actually don't reach their mental peak until their 40s. Now, my wife recently found that out, uh, and she was very encouraged by that, actually. I, I think she's, like, praying that well, And then uh, when they get up. to 40, it immediately drops. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so I guess she still has a lot to look forward to. Yeah. But you see, I haven't realized all aspects of my development yet. There's still aspects of my mental development I haven't realized yet. So does that mean I'm not a whole human being now? Of course not right? Your grandchildren have many aspects of their development they haven't realized yet. Does that mean they're not whole human beings now? No, of course not, right? A fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to be a whole human being. So we all find ourselves 
on a different tick mark on the continuum of human development. Yeah. But that continuum began at the moment of conception. Here's another example. I want you to guys imagine for a second that we've just got an announcement that we've won tickets to a safari excursion in Africa. And we get to go out into the bush. Okay, I'm out, but go ahead. And yeah, and we, we get like a full day to see some African wildlife in its natural habitat, okay? So <clears throat> let's say, uh, you know, Dave and I, we bring our iPhones, right? But uh, Rob kicks it a little bit more old school here, and he brings a Polaroid camera, right? You know, the ones that spit it out as yeah, soon as well, you take yeah, it. No, I know what they are. Yeah, of course What's you do. your problem? <laughs> it's like high tech. Yeah. Well, I'm saying that you have an appreciation okay, for good. vintage things. Vintage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, as all hipster things do, the old becomes new again, right? So, uh, If John so, were here as he was last night, you would, you'd be picking up your teeth with your broken arm. <laughs> He's 60, and he can So Polaroid cameras are back in, right? So yeah. you take your Polaroid camera, and, and Dave and I, you know, we fall asleep. We, we watched, we listened to too much Charlie Kirk coverage of the debates. So we're sleeping on the, on this tour guide vehicle. Right. And then the, 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 uh, tour guide tells us, um, Hey guys, we're entering an area where a black Jaguar was sighted recently. Now we're, we're knocked out asleep, but you're stoked, right? Black yeah. Jaguars are rarely seen, even more rarely photographed, especially right? in daytime. They're a very elusive beast, right? So you have your eyes glued to the window, right? And, and the sun goes down. You've got those few minutes left of twilight, mm. and to your luck, a jaguar leaps out from the bushes off to the right side of the vehicle. It sprints across the road, jumps over the, over the road, and you manage to get a picture of that jaguar airborne. You start screaming because the photo gets bit out of your Polaroid. You start shaking it. We wake up, and you're like, I got a picture of a black jaguar. What if at that point I ripped that photo out of your hands, Rob? I ripped it up in little pieces, and I threw it out of the window. Now, you would probably be enraged with me. You'd probably be, what did you do? And what if I responded and I said, Pastor Rob, calm down. That wasn't a picture of a black jaguar. That was actually just a black smudge on a white piece of paper. Now, you would probably respond by saying, Seth, what are you talking about? The jaguar was already there. We just couldn't see him yet. Everything that was necessary for that photo to realize its full development was already present when the photo got spit out. All it needed was time. I got it. In the same That's way, solid. from the moment of conception, the unborn child has everything they need to realize their full growth and development is one of us. Even if we can't see him or her yet, all they need is time. That's what it means to be a whole human being. And that's what the science teaches us about the unborn child. Because a zygote, an unborn child, that, that can be nothing but... A human being. It's not going to grow into a, a zebra <laughs> that's or right, a black that's right. jaguar. <laughs> that's right. It's only going to be a human being. Yep. There's only one course that it's going to take. That's it. That's right. Your only failure in that illustration is you can't tear a Polaroid picture. <laughs> but you wouldn't know that. So go ahead. So that's what the science that is teaches so good. us, right? That is so and, 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 good. And when, anytime you talk to someone who's pro-choice, you'll, you'll, you'll notice these assumptions, these faulty assumptions about science. They'll say things like, well, it's, it's not a human being, right? Or it's biologically human, but it's not a person. Or it, 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 you know, it's not like me because it can't feel pain or it's not viable. You know, but they're failing to realize that it is in virtue of being an unborn human being at that stage of development to realize those capacities and functions at a later time. Just like the pro-abortion advocate who's making these arguments has not realized all levels of their physical development yet. Right. It doesn't mean they're not a whole human being then. So that's what the science teaches us. And it answers the question, what is the unborn? They're clearly human, right? The law of biogenesis states that all living things reproduce 
after their own kind. Right. So it can't be anything but a human. But then where they're going to pivot, Rob, is they're going to say, finally, they'll go, okay, fine, pro-lifer. I'll admit that it's a human because I just look really stupid saying I'm pro-science and then saying I'm actually not, but it's not a person. Yep. And now, now, now we're dealing we're, with personhood. Yep. Now we're turning on the historical bigotry of every form of genocide, which denies personhood to its victims. So this is where the SLED acronym comes in. Yeah, that's right. Why that, that, that human being, and by the way, being means personhood, why would they consider it not a person? That's right. And, that, and, and, and yeah, I like what you said, too, because we as Christians would never separate the term human from person. Right. Human, person, person, human. We would use those synonymously. It's only those with a vested interest in mistreating an entire class of human beings yep. that will say that will separate those two terms. And every time the term human from person has been separated, disastrous consequences yeah. have followed. Yeah. But what does it mean to be Genocide. a person? Genocide. Well, that's exactly right. Those who advocate for the killing of the child in the womb, insist that because the child doesn't have all the same functions or capacities that we do, therefore it's not a person. Now, firstly, they're committing the classic leftist mistake of begging the question. They're assuming the very thing that they must prove. They're just assuming that certain possession of functions and capacities are in and of themselves value-giving. But they haven't made an argument for why the possession of those capacities is value-giving in the first place. They just merely assume it. But okay, let's go with that. They say the unborn child doesn't have desires, right? Well, the desire to go on living doesn't occur until several weeks after birth. So can we kill infants? Oh, whoa. Reality has an annoying tendency of reasserting itself in our lives. They say, well, the unborn child is not self-aware. Well, well self-awareness doesn't occur in, in children until about two or three years old. Can we kill them? I, I would... I would <laughs> I would pause there because there are some hardcore people like Peter Singer, yep. sing, a singer that you, he, what, he's an, an ethicist supposedly. He's a professor of philosophy, a philosophy yep. at Princeton. Mm -hmm. And he, he says, yeah, you can up take, to one years old. You can kill one of your children at one years of age to harvest their organs. Yep. Cause he says it's not a person. Yep. This is, and, and I mean, He's teaching people's kids. That's right. It's disgusting. He should have been fired decades ago. And, and what, is, what is the consequence of that kind of an education onto a culture? Yep. Bigotry. It's awful. That's how powerful bigotry is. It blinds you to obvious truths about human nature. So what is the worldview of Peter Singer? What is the worldview of the pro-abortion movement, which is functionally the same. Yep. Well, I just gave you a hint. It's called functionalism. Yep. Functionalism is the idea that our value, right to life, and personhood itself is dependent purely on our functions and capacities. So what, like what? Well, desires, self-awareness, relationships, um, the awareness of our own existence over time. The, the, ability to, the ability to contribute to society. Yep, meaningful relationships. All of these types of things. However, what the pro-abortion advocate fails to realize is that these functions come in varying degrees. So let's take desires for a second, right? Do we all have the same degree of desires? Well, of course not. If a Buddhist well, Dave, realizes Dave, Dave their goals. I, Dave and I do in regards to food. <laughs> right, right. But take a Buddhist, for example, right? If a Buddhist is successful in their endeavor of reaching nirvana, then they will have eliminated all desires. So if I murder a Buddhist who has realized nirvana, have I not, have I not deprived him of any rights? Because according to the pro-abortion advocate, I have not violated your rights if I have not violated your desires. What if your son 
tragically uh, breaks up with his wife or girlfriend and spirals out of control and doesn't have a desire to go on living out of emotional distress. Have I not violated his rights if I kill him? Because he doesn't have desires. It's ridiculous. So what the pro-abortion advocate fails to realize is that the functions that they say are necessary for a right to life in in personhood themselves come in varying degrees. So if personhood and a right to life rests on functions and capacities that come in varying degrees, it follows that the right to life and personhood comes in varying degrees. So the pro-abortion worldview ends up resulting in savage inequality, meaning that I then would have a greater right to life and value than those with less desires, those with less self-awareness, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's almost like they're less valuable because they're on insulin or on oxygen because they're dependent on their, their, the baby's dependent on the mother. Right. So you're, you're reducing their value based on something that, yeah, that, that's one area that was that degree of dependence. Yeah. Yeah. So the four differences between the unborn child in the womb and those of us outside the womb are size, level of development, environment, environment or location, and, and dependency. Degree, degree of dependency. And in less than a minute... Unborn children are smaller than newborn children, but newborn children are smaller than toddlers. I'm larger than you because I'm six foot three. That doesn't mean I have more rights. Men are generally larger than women. That doesn't mean they have more value. The unborn is less developed than the newborn, but newborn children are less developed than toddlers, and toddlers are less developed than teenagers. You're more developed than me because you're older. That doesn't mean that you have a greater right to life or can therefore kill me. Yes, the unborn child is located in a different environment, his or her mother's womb, but as Frank Beckwith says, where one is has no bearing on who one is. And the fetus fairy does not sprinkle magical personhood conferring fairy dust during the six inch journey through the birth canal such that when its last toe leaves the vaginal canal, congratulations, personhood. Yes, the unborn child is more dependent on the mother, but does that mean that we can kill people who are dependent on caretakers, heart pacemakers, kidney machines, or life support? Did you know that if you leave an infant in a crib and do nothing, it will die? And what if the mother says, my breast, my choice, my body, my choice? Would that argument hold up in a court of law? No. So if we can kill unborn children for being smaller, less developed, located elsewhere, and more dependent, can I kill you or anyone else listening for being smaller, less developed, located elsewhere, more dependent? Of course, the answer is no. Because the unborn child differs from us in the same ways that we differ from one another. And this is exactly what Lincoln was saying, guys. This was exactly the case that Abraham Lincoln made against bigots and racists who insisted that we could enslave black image bearers of God simply because they were different than those enslaving them. You probably are aware, Rob, of his piece that he wrote one night staying up late, preparing for probably his debates with Stephen Douglas called Fragments on Slavery. And in that piece, Fragments on Slavery, I can almost picture Lincoln sitting there one night just thinking about how ridiculous the slavery arguments are and just starts jotting down some ways to just eviscerate that bigotry. And here's what he writes. You say A is white and B is black. It is color then, the lighter having the right to enslave the darker. Take care. By this rule, you are to be a slave to the first man you meet with a fairer skin than your own. Oh, but you say it is a question of interest. And if you can make it your interest, you have the right to enslave another. Take care again. If he can make it his interest, he has the right to enslave you. Lincoln was pointing out that in the southern state's willingness to accept the institution of slavery, they were putting in place the premises that would justify their own enslavement. Because skin color interest or intellect all come in varying degrees. 
And so if we could mistreat black individuals for differing in those ways, but then white people also differ in those ways, then whoever has a greater degree of said function would have a greater right to life. And the same thing is true with the issue of abortion today. Pro-abortion advocates accept premises that if instituted consistently will justify their own enslavement because the only thing we have in common as human beings is a human nature. That's it. Yeah. And that human nature began at the moment, moment of conception. conception. All right. This, this occurred to me as you were, I mean, that, that's profound and I need to memorize this, but I'm watching as quote unquote, Bible believing evangelical churches in America have wholeheartedly abandoned discussing abortion. Yeah. It, it's, it, it, is, it doesn't fill church pews. Uh, people are turned off by it because the, the culture is not being driven by the church. Yeah. And, and in their absence of defending, in their absence of defending the unborn, it almost, as you were talking, it, it almost hit, I mean, it hit me boldly that the reason why many of these evangelical Christian churches are putting up black tiles in support of BLM is, is because they've been doing in, the, in, in their unwillingness to stand up That's right. for the voiceless. Yep. And they are ushering in a reverse racism. Yep. Uh, that hit me. Because th- th- this, is, right. this is what their people have been used to being fed. Yep. An unwillingness to stand your ground yeah. for, for all of humanity. That's right. They are willing to embrace, as they have with the abortion issue, silently not participating. They're embracing the side that says, that's okay. And then they yield to this move where an immutable trait of color of skin is now a reason to remove a person's ability to dialogue you in the critical race theory. Yep. Wow. Any true pro-life church would never have anything to do with Black Lives Matter, whose co-founder Alicia Garza, after Cecile Richards left Planned Parenthood, launched a political training organization together to equip two million young women to be political abortion activists leading up to the 2020 election. <clears throat> Black Lives Matter, prior to gaining more national steam, during the George Floyd incident, had all types of pro-abortion um, sloganeering on their website. They removed a lot of that, probably because they didn't want some of the PR that would be associated well, no, with condoning the slaughter of black people yeah, in the womb. The reason why they removed it is because people like yourself who have put, been putting the truth of the numbers into culture, contending. That's right. They, th- th- that came out of the cave and people started to say, wait a minute, 13% of the population, six and a half are female, childbearing years is 4%, 4% of the American population is responsible for 40% of the abortion. They're eviscerating a complete holocaust on the black community and they, right. they had to remove that. Yep. But they still support Planned Parenthood. Yep. And, it's, and it's not accidental. Baffling. It's intentional. Oh, it is. Uh, it study, was Margaret Sanger. A study by Protecting Black Life found that 80% of Planned Parenthood's surgical abortion facilities are in walking distance of majority black neighborhoods. This is with intent. This is what Margaret Sanger wanted. And Black Lives Matter has uh, fully right. put themselves uh, in the same now camp. Come, so now any come, true pro-life church would never have anything now, to do now with Black Lives Matter. Now, come on, Seth. I, we were just watching the vice presidential debates. And... Kamala Harris, by her own admission, is a black woman. She's a black American. 
and and her, and I think it was her grandfather who owned slaves, but but she's a black American. She's not from uh, you know India, although that's her heritage. Right. She's a black American, and she identifies as a black American, not as an African American, but as a black American. Maybe she says she's an African American. I don't know. Right. But but she's she's pro-choice all the way up to the third trimester. We just heard that. Yep. And then you see this white man with white hair, <laughs> and he's he's he. he He's older than he looks because of his hair. He's younger than me, I think. And he's unashamedly, he said, I heard that, unashamedly pro-life. So if, if, this is, if this is the case, the numbers that you say and I've shared, why would, why would Kamala do that? I wasn't the first one to say this, certainly, but ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. And you said that at the end of your video that I yeah, watched. Yeah, 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 I yeah. say it again so people can hear because that is such a profound statement. Ideas have consequences, but bad ideas have victims. And nowhere is that more true than the issue of abortion. Nowhere yep. was that more true than the issue of the Holocaust or of slavery. We do become the victims or of our ideas. Yeah, absolutely. We, we become the victims of the ideas we embrace, right? Sometimes we have this silly idea that ideas somehow happen in a vacuum or that they can just float around in our heads without affecting the way that we live. But I, ideas tend to stay on the same highway, if you will. And if you adopt the premises of those ideas, you'll find yourself speeding down that highway out of control. And so Kamala Harris, regardless of her skin color, right, is, is, has embraced bad ideas that have harmed and continue to harm black Americans inside and outside the womb. And you're right. We scratch our head and we go... <sighs> How could you back policies that endanger people with your same skin color? But of course, she's against school choice. She supports Black Lives Matter, which is against school choice. She supports Black Lives Matter, which is silent on the fatherlessness rate in the black community. She supports Black Lives Matter, which has nothing to say with the violence uh, and the, the homicide numbers in black America, which is primarily being done by other black people. And the same is true with white on white crime as well. But she's silent on that. And of course, she's probably one of the most pro-abortion politicians in American uh, history. Uh, unbelievably pro-abortion. Yep. I mean, this is a woman who was prostituting her attorney general duties to her p political campaign donors, Planned Parenthood in order to raid the apartment of David Daleiden and Sandra Merritt to steal their footage so that they couldn't release any more footage showing how bad her political campaign donors were, Planned Parenthood, for selling dead baby body limbs on the black market. Now, there was a, uh, another uh, pro-life, uh, I, I hate the word activist, but you know what? That, you're acting. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're very involved. Um, and it doesn't have a negative connotation to me, but I, I had a chance to sit down with him and he's doing work in San Francisco. And he said, because of the bills that have been passed in, in California, and, and I, I didn't have the data in front of me, but it has haunted me what he said. He said, they're still harvesting the organs of these babies that have been aborted. Yep. And they actually, he said, they abort them live and kill them on the downbeat of their heart yep. to take yeah. that organ. Live dissections. But it's reproductive justice, as Julian Castro said. Reproductive justice. Right. And the state of California embraces that. Yep. Fully. Yep. But, but only 25% of evangelicals in California vote to change that. 
What happened to the church? Yeah. What happened to the moral conscience of a nation? I'm sorry, David, you're going to... I, I was, I was kind of curious is that, you know, you're, you're, you're showing us today when I looked at your videos, you're 29 years old and you articulate these ideas so well. Um, the nation, according to the media, were evenly divided 50-50 on this issue. But I would assume people at your age... It, the numbers, do you have the latest numbers of what people think in your age? And how do you contend with people yeah. at, at this level? Because it's, it's pretty intense what you're doing. He's, yeah. like, he's like the Charlie Kirk of the other. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You <laughs> that's, are. That's kind of you. Um, the Gallup polling, gentlemen, is actually not as encouraging as we have heard. Um, I'm not here to be a pessimist, but sometimes you'll hear people say, <clears throat> you know, we're more, America's more pro-life than they've ever been. I think if you look at the, at the polling data, it's not as encouraging as we've heard. For example, yeah. Gallup poll 2019, I think, just last year, reported that if you ask Americans if they're pro-life or pro-choice, it's about 48 and 48. Yeah. You know, 49, 49, and then, you know, whatever, undecided or people that didn't answer. So people go, wow, we're about half and half, right? But then if you ask people, and this was all on Gallup, if you ask them, should we overturn Roe versus Wade? Or do you support Roe versus Wade? Over 60% said I wouldn't overturn Roe versus Wade. 7% said undecided. And 33% said they would overturn Roe versus Wade. So 67% did not say they would overturn Roe versus Wade. And a lot of people don't even know what Roe versus Wade says, which is that abortion is legal through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason or no reason at all. So we have a lot of work to do, right? And as my, my friend Heidi St. John says, it's time for Christians to get off the bench. We can no longer sit on the bench cheering people like you, like Jack Hibbs and others who are involved in protecting life, liberty, and our ability to share the gospel freely in this country. We need to stop cheering them on and saying, I'm praying for you, brother, and get our butts off the bench and get involved. Yeah. And that's what I'm committed to do to the next generation. Because yeah. listen, the, the other side, folks, is very committed. They wake up every day. Very to committed roll. to reach the next generation. Right? Look at our universities. <laughs> so unfriendly yeah. to the pro-life position. And they crank out pro-abortion activists. Make no mistake, they do. They do. Through their women's studies programs. And they do it in Their lesbian dance theory majors. Ridiculous, right? Black Lives Matter getting into our schools. Planned Parenthood in L.A. earlier this year opening 55 Planned Parenthood pup tents on Los Angeles Unified School District high school campuses where they're going to provide sexual counseling as well as the birth control pill or the abortion pill if you want it and they'll tell you how to get it without telling your parents. Yeah. The other side is very committed to reaching the next generation with their ideas because they understand that the, f the fight for the soul of our country and the future of our country is the fight over the posterity of our country, the young people now. And the church has seemingly completely forgotten that. And so I go into faith-based high schools, Protestant and Catholic high schools primarily. I do youth groups. I do secular colleges as well. But I go into a lot of faith-based high schools, Protestant or Catholic, right? And the number one response I get is, well, one, we never had a pro-life speaker before. This is awesome. Crazy, right? Never had a pro-life speaker before. They're not really talking about it in their, in their classes that much. Or if they do, they're just saying, well, the Bible says we're created in the image of God. Well, wonderful. But 
if they don't believe in Christianity, which many of the Catholic high schools I go into, some of the Protestant Catholic high schools I go into, a lot of these students are not even Christian. They're not even practicing Catholics or practicing right. Christians. So if the only reason you're telling them to be pro-life is because the Bible says so, but they reject a Christian worldview, they're not going to change they their minds. Yeah. I'm going in there and I'm offering a scientific and philosophic defense and then showing you that if you accept the premises of the pro-choice position, you're justifying your own enslavement because you're grounding human value and rights in capacities and functions that come in varying degrees rather than our human nature, which is the only thing we have in common. That's what I'm doing in those schools. And then I go do live interactive Q&A sessions in the classrooms for the full school day. And I watch cognitive dissonance in real time as I give answers and push gently back on their positions. And you can see these students go, I don't know how to reconcile my pro-abortion position with that answer because they're not getting good answers. Yeah. And the same thing is happening in the church, gentlemen. That's yeah. why you get woke pastors now like Pastor Tim Keller who just said on September 15th, 18th on Facebook that you, brother, have liberty of conscience to vote for whatever political party you want. Why? Specifically, he says, because the Bible doesn't tell us how to end or decrease abortions. So therefore, you can vote however you want. Let me add this, please. Yeah. Tim Keller. Yep. Gospel Coalition. Yeah. Do your homework. Take a look at who George Soros funds. That's all I'm going to say. And the people who have abandoned the defense of the unborn, who have told Christians to step out of the public square, to separate their their Christian beliefs from their political views, all funded by a Soros organization. Wow. You know, and to that point we were talking before, the work that you're doing, you should be able to look at your sh- behind your shoulder and see the Christian colleges, universities, and pastors. And we could only come up with, what, five? That we would send our kids to? Yeah. yeah. And, and the same thing with the churches. So well, yeah. you don't have the army of people behind you helping you out. That, that must, I would assume, be hugely frustrating. Yeah, it's a little tiring. You can ask my wife. I, I just got back from a week on the road in Maine and Colorado, and, and I, just, I, I just took two days off and slept because, yeah, it gets pretty exhausting. You know, the reason the pro-life movement doesn't have the church on their side is because we have never had the pastors on our side. Guess why we've never had the pastors on our side? Because the seminaries or Christian undergraduate or Christian high schools that they went to never did anything to equip them theologically, philosophically, and culturally to defend the lives of pre-born image bearers in a womb that Christ entered history in. And unless they want to argue to me that Mary had a fundamental right to an abortion, I don't want to hear anything about political neutrality or liberty of conscience on the dismemberment of preborn image bearers who are created in the image of God. You got John the Baptist doing backflips in the womb when, when, and st- called by name, when Jesus Mary walks into the room pregnant with the creator of the universe. In front of Elizabeth. And, but apparently, uh, according to Tim Keller, we have liberty of conscience to vote to, to dismember the prenatal Christ. Apparently, because we're then told in scripture that human beings are created in the image of God. Right, I, Jesus I, I, is God. Jesus was in the womb. So that means preborn children are created in the image of the prenatal Christ. But we have liberty of conscience to vote for dismembering preborn image bearers. So the Conejo Valley, where you are right now, we have a very prominent Christian high school attached to a Christian junior high school. Uh, the people who've, who started it love the Lord, committed to life. It's now become a, a dominant fixture in Southern California, well known for their sports programs. My youngest child, I paid college tuition prices to send them there. And I got a pastor's discount. Wow. Expecting 
my son to receive a Christian worldview. And the chaplains, the Bible teachers, teach social justice. They, don't, they, they, they do not focus on any of these issues you're speaking of. Right. They've been infiltrated with this mess. Right. And while they were sleeping, and well, we just want good grades, and we just want to send them, but we're not contending. Yep, that's right. Nobody's contending. Yep. Nobody's active in contending for this generation. Yeah. And Christianity is not passive. That's right. It's, it's, it's and I'll tell you why you're tired and frustrated with pastors who haven't engaged. Because this is the first time you visited us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I, I, you know, everyone that attends this fellowship, now there's been a lot lately that are new. But I too am unashamedly pro-life. And I believe that it is the greatest sin that this nation is responsible for. Yeah. We're, we're wanting the, the virus to end. We're wanting the stock market to go up. We're wanting our 401ks to, you know, increase. And, and, and we're looking at the next things to buy and all the trinkets and the baubles. And, and we, we want to go for our walk and we want to have our exercise equipment. We want to go for, you know, on a vacation. Right. All of that, we want to build the big building. I'm, I'm looking at churches in large cities in Dallas. Mm-hmm. that they want to extend and build their sanctuary. And on two Sundays, they raised $90 million. Wow. In a major city in Texas. Unreal. And if I said the pastor's name, you, you sure. would know them. Just down the way in the same city, another pastor's annual budget is $86 million. Yet in that city... They have the most secular, progressive politicians, right. the most pro-choice politicians, and the most influenced school district for secular, progressive mindsets. Yeah. Because Christians want to marvel at what they've built instead of a culture that they've, they've blessed. Marveling at what God makes in the womb. Yeah, what God yep. makes in the womb. They're, they're more impressed with their buildings yep. and their climbing walls. Yep than they are with the beauty of, of a human being. Yeah. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Yep. Knitted together, which is, you know, I, I, I did terrible in biology, but you look at that DNA, that's a knitting pattern. That's right. Fearfully and wonderfully made, knitted together in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I knew you. Yep. You've been created in our image, yep. the Godhead says. You know, Pastor Rob, <clears throat> Francis Schaefer once said something that gives me shivers every time I say it. And man, if we could have more leaders and theologians today like Schaefer, mm. he said. I just wish he didn't we- spend all his time in Switzerland and contend here in America. That's right. He said, every abortion clinic ought to have a sign out front that says, open with the permission of the church of Jesus Christ. Yep. And Proverbs twenty four eleven through 12 <clears throat> says, hold back those staggering towards slaughter. And if you say, we did not know about this. Does not he who made your life know it? Does not he who sees your heart know it? And will he not judge man according to what he has done? What's that saying? It's saying, well, one, stop 
stop the slaughter of innocents. And if you pretend like you don't know, God knows that you know. God sees your heart. And you're going to stand before him and give an account for all things done, whether good or bad. Right? Proverbs 31.8 says to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. So my question for our brothers and sisters, some of them who have gone off the deep end right, and are currently enrolled in the school of wokeism, is this. What is the best way to speak up for the unborn in America? What is the best way to hold back those staggering towards slaughter in a country that said it's legal to slaughter that class of human beings? Well, there are many ways to speak up for that class of victims. You want to know the best way? Stop killing them. Stop killing the babies. Stop sacrificing them to Satan. Because Satan doesn't care the name of the God that you sacrifice your children to. So he called himself Moloch then, and he calls himself the pagan gods of convenience, education, and career well-being now. He doesn't care. As long as you continue to shove children down his throat, he'll be satisfied. So what is the best way? to stop the slaughter. How do we do that? Our political voice in a constitutional republic that others bled and died so that political power would be in the hands of the people. That's the best way to protect the unborn and stop their slaughter. But Pastor Tim Keller and so many Christian leaders today say, you actually have liberty of conscience to vote for the party of abortion. And and, and we got to protect the preaching of the gospel. What gospel? Right. The gospel that, that enables the destruction of a child creating the image of God. And they try to separate the two. And here we live in a nation that says, we have been endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, among those being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Land of the free, home of the brave, we cheer in the national anthem when we get to that part. Americans say they love liberty. They don't. Not anymore. They don't, they don't even love freedom. They love comfort. Yep. And that's a dangerous trade. Yeah. yeah. Because... Those who seek to enslave us, are, and I was saying George Soros, $385 million last month to, to push this election in the direction he wants. He's putting his treasures in it. On top of the $19 billion he's already invested and, and operating in a return on investment mindset to instill and, and effectuate a radical transformation of what has been for 244 years the freest nation on the planet that has resulted in abundance. But That's right. in the Titler cycle, with abundance comes apathy, hmm. apathy comes dependence, dependence, bondage, bondage, slavery. That's right. And we're at a stage where we have abundance and they're going to take it away from us. And we go, well, at least I still have this. Right. And then they take more and you go, well, at least I have this. Yep. And, and there's a reason why our founders said, of these inalienable rights endowed by our creator, among these are life, then liberty, then the pursuit of happiness, which is the pursuit of virtue. Because when you look at Aristotle, the highest highest good a man can have is happiness. Yeah. If if it's this pursuit of, of pleasure, pleasure is good, but pleasure in and of itself is not. Right. Honor, honor is good, but honor in, in and of itself is not. But this idea of happiness, meaning being completely who you were designed to be. Yeah. And, and, and then liberty. People say liberty is freedom. No. Freedom is having choices. Right. Paul, the apostle Paul said in Galatians, I think it was Galatians, he wrote, stand fast therefore in the liberty for which Christ has set you free. Right. And he wrote that in prison. 
Yeah. <laughs> so liberty is doing what's right. Freedom is having choices. That's right. And there's a reason why our founders put life at the beginning. Because liberty and the pursuit of happiness are of scarce little value if you are dead. That's right. And we do ordain for ourselves and our posterity. That's right. But Americans are like, if we can just get through this election cycle yeah. and I can make it to the end. And the church, and I don't question the eschatology, but I, I question the application of the eschatology right. that the... the the main eschatology in the Calvary chapels is pre-trib, pre-millennial. The next thing on the God's day planners, the rapture, the house is on fire, get the kids out. And I get that. And it, and right. the, the, the asset on that is evangelism, right? The liability is we have not engaged in the public square to set up a system of government and education so that our posterity, our children and our grandchildren will have a hope. We give our children no more hope than Greta Thunberg. Yeah. Because the same is true. The world's coming to an end. Turn or burn. That's right. Fly or fry. Get right or get left. Yeah. That's, that's your only option, kids. Bummer you're not going to get to marry. Bummer you're not going to get to raise a family. Because every indicator tells us that it's going to happen. And we're going to move to Montana or Idaho and build a compound and buy some canned goods. Yeah. I don't see that in the Bible. That's right. I see occupy until I come. Con- contend for the voiceless. Yeah. Everywhere you see the Lord, he is contending against tyranny. That's right. He came that, that they would know the truth, the truth would set them free. The entire picture of the Passover is de- it's contending for the deliverance of three to five million people who are enslaved. Right. That we are created in the image of God. And, and there has to be an awakening yeah. to this moral to, to this immoral scourge yeah. on our land. And abortion has really, it doesn't just poison babies that it kills, but it's poisoned our politics because it's oh. made everything about abortion. There are many important issues, right? And there are many reasons that I'm a conservative and I support many of the actions and legislation and policies of this administration. But if we don't get the right to life right, we're not going to get any other rights right. Everything flows from that first and most important of all rights. So are we surprised then, Rob, that a country that ignores and denies the natural right to life to one million human beings in the womb every year will then turn around and ignore every other right that flows from that first and most important of all rights? Of course not. Look across our states whose governors through their draconian policies are ignoring the natural rights of their people to liberty, to work, to freely associate where they choose, and to run their businesses in accordance with their best judgment. Look at these mayors across our countries who are ignoring the natural rights of their people to property. I'm going to challenge you on that. To protect their own businesses. I'm going to challenge you on that. Okay. How many offices have you run for and won? (laughs) None. None. I'm going to tell you a major fault of the Christian community. And my longest... A friend I've known longer than anyone else that lives in this community said, I'm a one-issue voter. Life. I said, okay. I know what he means. And, and I'll, I'll contend no one's more pro-life than me. I'll even 
contend with you. I've spoken to more schools than you have. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you. <laughs> He's older than you, but... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not about to say what I'm going to say because I'm not pro-life and fervently pro-life. I challenge anyone who's done more. And there are those out there, but I would say the lion's share. They don't have an argument. But I got a problem with the one-issue voter, and I'll tell you why. It's lazy. Because you fall prey to the abolitionists, an immediatist, immediatist. Mm-hmm. because if it's only that, then there's no room for incrementalism. You're going to elect a, a mayor, and they're going to be 51% in the category of all the things that are biblical and 49% out here. The other candidates that chose to run don't fit that. I'm going to go here. Everyone's saying, how can, how can Christians vote for a man who's been three times married, twice divorced, says the most vile things, is misogynistic, uh, was part of Planned Parenthood and supported Planned Parenthood for years, and I hear all that. Right. But early on, when he was running against Hillary Clinton, this was an unknown. This was a known. Yeah. I'm like, this is what I got. That's what I'm going for. Unbelievably blessed and surprised. Right. Uh, there hasn't been a stronger pro-life president in my lifetime. Yeah. That being said, the church's responses are the same as they were for Abraham Lincoln when he was killed on April 15th, 1865, or when he died, he was shot on the 14th. The pulpits in America decried the fact that he had died in a theater on Good Friday. <laughs> Virtue signaling. Right. Had nothing to do with the fact that this president, the great emancipator, lifted the scourge of slavery in the warp and the woof of the fabric of our country. None about that. He died in a theater on Good Friday. And and I think Christians have gotten to a place where they want it easy. Oh, it's one issue. Are you pro-life? That erases engaging in... What if you had a candidate that said, I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote for this bill. And the bill is, because you were giving me an illustration, the bill is, we're going to fund 10 new abortion clinics in Southern California with government money. And I don't like that to begin with, but it's going to pass. But you got these pro-life folks that are laboring incrementally, and they're able to slip into the bill that will vote in favor of it if... Everyone who goes into that abortion clinic has an ultrasound first and gets to see their baby. Right. And the bill comes up and it's, you know, abortion clinic bill, Republicans approve it. Right. And everyone says, you know, all the lazy people that don't read or, or follow it or understand the legislation say, how could you have done that? I'm pro-life. I'm not voting for you ever again. But abortions dropped dramatically in the state and every one of those didn't stay open because what's the the statistic of a mother seeing her baby for the first time right and getting an abortion tell everybody nearly four out of five nearly four you just by brilliance of legislation wiped out their bill yeah but people don't understand incrementalism that's right i'm a one-issue voter you voted for abortion clinics William Wilberforce ended slavery in the British Empire without a shot being fired by that kind of brilliance. Yep, that's right. And if we say we're one-issue voters, we're no different than abolitionists and 
Yeah, well, there's a there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what single issue voting means between those. But who, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, for the, with those who work incrementally to limit the evil done in abortion, yep. and those who work at, for a total ban and nothing nothing short of that. You know, being pro life and voting pro life means promoting righteousness and restraining evil insofar as you can, given current political realities, yep. and. We didn't create those political realities. We're not deciding which children live and die. The courts did that in 1973 when they said no unborn children have a right to life. It's lazy and it's myopic to insist that somehow pro-lifers are deciding which babies live and which babies die and that we somehow have the political power to stop all abortions. We don't, and we're doing the best we can, just like William Wilberforce did, who supported incremental legislation to refit slave ships to reduce suffering while working towards total abolition. What if you have a candidate who says... I am pro-choice, but I will not fund Planned Parenthood with government money. Yeah, so in short, what does it mean to running vote against, pro-life? Running against another who is pro-choice and is very active in it. And they both have the same worldview, but one is pragmatic. Right. We would still struggle. I'm going to run a third party. You run a third party candidate, and all you do is dilute. There's got to be, people have to be better educated in the process. That's right, yeah. Otherwise you have the abolitionists in front of pro-life churches that are protesting churches instead of contending for culture. Well, many pro-lifers don't understand what it means to vote Mm pro-life, right? So many people will say that they will always vote life, meaning that they will always vote for the pro-life candidate, even if that candidate candidate is a Democrat. But that's, that's ignoring political realities. To vote pro-life means to recognize the political realities in place, to work within those as much as you can to protect life, to restore personhood and protections to the pre-born. Okay. So for example, if a pro-lifer is at a congressional level, which we're right around the corner for voting on, is, is presented with a pro-life Democrat and a pro-choice Republican, a lot of pro-lifers don't like what I'm about to say, yeah. we vote for the pro-choice Republican. Because we understand that that party of abortion, the Democratic Party, is not going to do anything to protect life. And we've seen, quote unquote, pro-life Democrats before who have said they're pro-life cave and support pro-abortion bills under pressure from their party or vote for a radical pro-abortion Speaker of House, Nancy Pelosi, even though they say they're pro-life they will often vote party line rather than principle. Yeah, that, that's what happened with the assembly member that I ran, uh, I ran for that seat. And, oh, she's pragmatic. She's going to vote conservative. She's the one who voted for the pedophilia being, you know, yep. normalized. And yeah. We're, we're, I can't believe that we've gone an hour and five minutes. We usually stop in one hour. <laughs> um, and would you, would you come back? <laughs> yeah, of course. Seriously, this is this is for me one of the the most fascinating times I've had in that this is a this is an issue and maybe people aren't intrigued by it. I, th- I'm going to be selfish. I, I could sit with you for hours. You, you bless me. Thank you, brother. All right. Well, we need more pastors like you. So uh, thanks uh, for leading for so long. Thanks for the compliment, but this isn't the time. Here's what I want to. <laughs> here's what I want to do. First of all, it's tragic that I had to find out about you in the last month. I, I'm, I'm ashamed. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not a social media guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I've got 
Instagram thing. I, my daughter helps me. She sends me the personal thing. So don't freak out, folks. <laughs> but would you please tell everyone out there, and I, I only do this for a handful of folks. I, I want to say, not only are we going to support him as a church, I mean, you're a needed voice, articulate, in, incredibly gifted. How do they support you? What do they do? Yeah. Thank, thank you, Rob. No, and, and honestly, like you guys watching, you know what a warrior <clears throat> Pastor Rob is. And when I get to hang out with people like you or Jack Hibbs, it's, it, it's, a, it's good for my soul because it's, it's encouraging to come alongside with pastors who've been doing this longer than I am and who I don't have to justify my career to or try to change their minds. Yeah. It's so encouraging. So um, I'm the West Coast Director for Life Training Institute. That's where I serve on staff. And we're a small but elite team of professional pro-life speakers. And all pro-life we do, SEAL team. That's right. Delta and, Force. and all we do is equip, train, and disciple the next generation to get off the bench, give them the tools to defend life, and be a gracious and persuasive voice for the unborn, while also encouraging pro-choice individuals to change their minds by examining evidence they haven't seen or heard before. And, and we're going to have you develop an entire team in our church. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Yeah, we've got to get people off the bench. I need to yeah. replicate myself, there, and we need to pour into the next generation. This hungry for that. You're, you're, yeah. you're going to find folks ready to Amen. do it. Amen. That's right. Know how. And you know what? Like I said, reality has an annoying tendency of reasserting itself in our lives. And so when we are equipped to advocate for truth in a persuasive manner, people will change their minds because yep. there's a lot of people who are on the fence on this issue. I watch it every day. That's right. So you guys can support my ministry if you want. I, I The way want. I support myself and my family is, is primarily through a team of partners. And so you can go to my website, sethgruber.com. Spell your last name so they can G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com, sethgruber.com, or our organization's website, prolifetraining.org. Prolifetraining.org. Or sethgruber.com. Slow down, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> These people are trying to write it down. You're just spouting it off like we're we'll running out of time. In what uh, is that? Where I saw all your videos because I did a lot of searches. Is it? Can I find it on your website? Well, so I have a YouTube channel. I have a Facebook with a ton of my videos. I have an Instagram that someone else runs because that's a garbage heap platform. Um, and so that's how people can connect with me. But yes, to first, if you guys want to support my ministry so that I can get in front of students all across the country and Christian leaders and lay people so that they get involved in protecting the preborn, SethGruber.com or ProLifeTraining.org. Um, and then I have a podcast that's called Unaborted with Seth Gruber. You know, Reagan once said, I've noticed it. everyone who's for abortion has already been born. Well, so we're all run. unaborted, you know? Um, and so, so I do a weekly show every Monday, equipping people to defend life, translating pro-abortion rhetoric into reality, and getting them fired up with what's going on in the country, what it means, and how you can respond. So you guys can subscribe to that. And then, uh, yeah, that's how you can get you involved. Know, it would be nice is that we normally take questions, but it was so active today. But if we can have you on again, if they can go to your no. website, see the videos and do that, that would be great, will not you think? I think it's a great idea, but I want to do it different. Okay. I want you back on a live stream with, with an audience yeah. and field questions. We'll stay on yes. the live stream video, but we'll field questions because we've done that with two guests and it, they, they need this. Yeah, let's do it. All right. That's my favorite. All right. <laughs> so they've, they've got all that information. We'll also put it, you know, in the link so people can see it. Hey, I'm not kidding. Support this guy. Seriously. I mean, I'm in. Uh, seriously, it's when we're done, I'm, I'm going to go do it myself. This personal and then the church. That's right. And I know he will too. Yep. We're in. Thank you. And come back, equip our folks. You now have a hub for Ventura <laughs> Thanks, County bro. to just do what you do and replicate yourself. And I'm starting to realize at 56, I, I may be passionate about these things, 
but I'm one voice. If I don't start replicating myself, mm, that's right. When I when I die, which I'm picking up speed, but when I when I'm done, who's who's going to do it? Right. Unless you replicate yourself. That's right. And so come yeah. and replicate yourself here. Let's, let's <laughs> fix that. Uh, I'm going to pray for you, and then you're going to read the blessing. Okay. All right. Lord, thank you for Seth, and thank you for the precious gift he is to the body of Christ, and. And Lord, a a staunch defender of the unborn, the unborn created in your image, that he would unabashedly declare that the womb should be the safest place on all the earth. And so God, please, I I pray that you would just continue to equip him. I thank you for the tenderness that he, he possesses, but also Lord, he speaks the truth in love. And sometimes the truth is so hard, people can't even see the love behind it. But even in a tender way, he has that ability to do it. Lord, I pray for an awakening across this country of what is taking place in the slaughter of these children. That we would we would we would agree with you that it has to stop. And and Lord, that the church would no longer be silent. So God, please equip your bride, awaken your bride. Lord, cause our hearts to stir that we would no longer be complacent and complicit, but we would be moved to be activated to defend the defenseless. Lord, thank you for my brother. Thank you for the privilege to meet him. And Lord, we want him back. And he has a home here now. And Lord, bless his wife and his two children, the one born and the one unborn. And Lord, we commit them to you. Bless them financially, encourage them. Thank you for the folks who even now are moved by you, Lord, to participate in this great work. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, uh, they're gonna put it on the screen so you get to read it. Bless everyone out there. And uh, we, this is 188 episodes we've been awesome. doing this. Yeah. Go well, thank it. you guys for joining tonight. Yeah. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Well done, Seth. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks, Rob. And we're going to have you back. We're going to do a live audience next time around, folks. Let's we'll do it. let you know. We'll announce it on a Sunday. Uh, come and meet him. Have you ever written a book or anything? Not yet. We got to get on. I haven't either. And people say I'm supposed to. And I'm like, ah, I don't do that. I just steal from other people's books and they're going to recognize that it's their stuff. And then I got to go to court. It's awful. I get it. Well, uh, but we'll have them live and please participate with us. And uh, next time I, I wanted to kind of cover the debate tonight, but we did that with the president. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure that out later. That's it. We're already 13 minutes over. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in after the vice presidential debates and being with us. We'll see you tomorrow night. Good night, everybody.